Hey, 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 everyone. This is your girl, Brandy, your host of Bo Conversations with B. I am so glad that you decided to join me tonight every Wednesday from at 6.30 Central Standard Time. First off, before we kick this off, I would like to thank my sponsor, B. Anderson Collection, a luxury lipstick line that wants you to live life in color. Um, you can go to www brandydanderson.com and you can go and look and see about purchasing your bow lip today. Also, I want to shout out Gracie, my nail tech, which she was on a couple of episodes ago. Shout out to her. She's always making sure my hands look good. And also shout out to Hair From Scratch, who is Aquila Hill, located in DeSoto, Texas, making custom wigs and making people feel, making women feel beautiful. So shout out to those two women because they always making sure I'm looking great. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, I am so excited for my special guest today. We have here Dr. Jody Nicholson, honey. Mm -hmm. A good, good, long, long. We'll have that's another episode yeah. to talk about how we even know each other, but you yeah. know. But let me introduce Dr. Jody Nicholson. She is a licensed professional counselor with over 10 years of experience in mental health field. Her clinical exp experience includes working with individuals with mental health concerns, life and work, stress, victims of domestic violence, trauma survivors, and uh, I'm going to probably say this wrong. I'm going to mm -hmm. jack this. But, uh, maternal mental health. Yeah. She also um, is a former adjust professor at Grand Canyon University in the counseling program. Her mm -hmm. private pra practice is located in the DFW area, south of Fort Worth, Texas. Y'all, mm -hmm. I want to introduce to y'all mm -hmm. Joe, Dr. Jody Nicholson. Mm -hmm. Jody, I am so glad that you are here. Um, you're just an amazing. You're just an amazing person, and I've seen you grow. Like when we spoke, I, I talked about how much you have grown. So I am like so super proud of you. But I, I want my audience to know a little bit about you outside of your bio. Mm -hmm. um, wanted to hear like why a licensed counselor. Yes. Yeah. So I get that question often. I get it from um, clients and just people in general when they hear about what I do. And I feel like I always give like this very canned answer of, well, I want to be a counselor because I want to help people. But when I really think about what my real why is, I yeah. think it connects back to wanting to understand my own mental health issues that I've dealt with. And so in, go, in becoming a licensed professional counselor, you learn a lot about uh, the different diagnoses. And that also, I think, prompted me to start to do a lot of self-discovery. Of course, I've been through my own therapy as well. And so I think at the root of it, the, the reason that I became a counselor was because I, I wanted to more about, about my own mental health and wellness and how, how to, to really manage that in a healthy way. So I'm in a position where I get to help clients how to manage their own mental and wellness, but also 
and to be able to normalize it. I will share often with clients that at one point that none of us are immune from exceeding, uh, mental health issues. And so just trying to normalize that and um, make it okay to not be okay so that they can be able to get the help that they need is, is my big reason for uh, doing what I do. You said make it to not be okay. Make it okay wow. to not be okay. Yeah. Make it okay to not be okay. Yeah. What a way to normalize, you know, not being okay. What what a bold statement. You said something um, throughout your um, vulnerable, more open um, why, and you said your own mental health. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I think sometimes the misconception is therapists are helping other people. Are they getting therapy too? You know? Uh -huh. And so I, I want you to share a little bit of like how you decided to go into therapy for yourself. Yeah. You mean getting my, being a client myself? Yeah. Yeah. So it was really just dealing with, you know, life issues. I would say my primary underlying thing that I've dealt with throughout my life is anxiety. I didn't really know it was anxiety until I, you know, went to school and started understanding what anxiety looked like. In my mind, anxiety was you're having a panic attack, you're hyper hyperventilating. So really understanding that there are other signs and symptoms of anxiety. There are different types of anxiety that you can experience. Um, Help me to understand what I myself was dealing with and led me to go and, you know, seek counseling on how to deal with that. So um, that was really kind of the door open to me going to get my own help. And I recommend all therapists at some point in their in their life well, all people in general um, to do therapy. It's very beneficial. You don't have to be in crisis to, to seek therapy. Um, there are different reasons that people go, but I do think it's important just like we uh, go to doctors for our physicals and we go and get dental checkups. It's important that we also um, prioritize our mental health in that same way. Doing a mental health checkup. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. It's probably not once a year in every six months, but yeah. uh, need to do a At some point. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Okay. So you said something else that I, I want us to dig into just a little bit. And I know we're getting a little sidetracked and I told you I was going to ask you questions, oh, yeah. about, but you said that there are different types of anxiety. So I've never heard that before. So what are the different forms of anxiety that maybe a woman is going to come across this video Mm -hmm. and say, oh my gosh, that's me right now. I was wondering mm -hmm. like why I was feeling this way and not recognizing it all along, it was anxiety. So right. what are the different types of anxiety? Yeah. So the most common or general one is like your general anxiety where it's not specific to one particular thing. You have anxiety about a number of different things. So that's, that's one general anxiety disorder. 
Um, you can also have specific anxieties or specific phobias. Um, so that's an, a different subset. Um, and then you can also have post-traumatic stress disorder, which is usually related to some type of trauma. So that's another type of anxiety, mm. as well as um, obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD. So you may um, obsess or ruminate on certain things that then would lead you to uh, compulsive behavior like checking um, or hand washing, those sorts of behaviors that, again, um, can produce anxiety for an individual. So those are some of the different types of anxiety that one might experience. But most people, I say the general population, it tends to be a more of a, a general anxiety disorder. Okay. I didn't know that. I mm -hmm. did not know. So I, I'm uh, assuming that's PT, PTSD mm -hmm. is categorized as a anxiety. I didn't, you know, mm -hmm. I just never thought about that in OCD. Uh -huh. I know a person who is almost like a germaphobe, like mm -hmm. gotta wash them hands constantly, hand sanitizer. I mean, now due to COVID, like I think right. all of us experience some OCD for yeah. sure. Um, we was on anxiety high, whatever yeah. level that could possibly be. We were on that, but she was like that even before COVID. Mm -hmm. So not recognizing. So, okay. So to that point, to that end, how would somebody be able to recognize that they are experiencing anxiety? I know that's the type, but what mm -hmm. are some of the I don't know what the word is. Is it qualities or things that would help somebody identify if they're experiencing some sort of anxiety? Right. So anxiety in the in the basic sense is our body's nervous system is being activated. It's responding to something. So I would first say, check in with your body and see what you're noticing. Are you noticing a change in your heart rate? Are you noticing a change in your breathing? Um, are your hands feeling clammy? There are signs that your body will tell you that your nervous system is being activated. That could be a symptom of anxiety. Mm. It's getting ready to go into a fight or flight mode. Um, and that may be necessary if there is a an actual threat, but usually if it's anxiety, you'll, your body will, um, have that sort of response when it's not necessary, when there is no actual, you know, threat, um, but it's activated and it's going to respond in that way. Mm -hmm. Some other signs outside of listening to what your body's telling you, are you noticing any changes in your sleep? A lot of times people who experience anxiety, they will have sleep disturbances where they have trouble falling asleep at night, usually because they've just got this um, you know, racing thoughts that they can't, they can't quiet their thoughts. Um, they may wake up in the middle of the night, so they're not um, getting a full night's rest. Um, mm. Also, um, anxiety can affect appetite. Typically, when pe most people, I'll say most, it can go either way. Some people will see a decrease in their appetite and others mm. will, will experience an increase. So it just really depends on the person. But those are some signs or cues that may indicate there may be some anxiety um, going on. So maybe a prompt to either reach out to a therapist or reach out to your primary care doctor. A lot of primary care doctors now are being 
um, trained to identify and assess for mental health conditions and they can treat them medication wise and or refer you to a specialist if they feel like that's something that um, would benefit you. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So this makes me think, so Jody, that was, um, Dr. Jody, that was really good. This makes me think about how important is it for a woman of color to have a woman of color therapist mm -hmm. or what would like, how important is that? And what effect could it have if there, if, if this, if this woman, this black or Hispanic woman, Indian woman, mm -hmm. Asian woman, would that they end up getting a therapist that is of, you know, Caucasian, mm -hmm. let me say that, mm -hmm. a white person. Mm -hmm. How, like, how important is it for us as women, women of mm -hmm. color to pick a, a black therapist. Yeah. So I'm going to speak from, I guess, my own personal experience, because okay. I think that question, that answer could vary depending on who you ask. I think at the, at the root of it for me, being able to see someone that looks like me, there is that, uh, sense of, of safety and comfort. When I say safety, mm -hmm. I mean like emotional safety. Okay. And there's that sense of cultural understanding and, and context to maybe some of the issues that I am bringing to counseling. Um, I think all counselors, regardless of ethnicity or race, we are part of our, our education, our licensure is that we take um, classes on uh multicultural counseling so that we are educated and equipped to treat someone, whether they're in our culture or not. And then we also are required to take CEUs uh, when we renew our license to continue being educated on uh, treating various cultures. So I would say that all clinicians have that responsibility to be educated and to operate from a lens of cultural humility, meaning that I am doing my work to understand your culture and what your how you're presenting your mental health issues, what that means in your culture, mm -hmm. because there are some cultural beliefs and practices that if they're not looked at in the context of that person's culture, they can be misdiagnosed. Mm -hmm. So it's important to have a context based on that person's culture, you know, when you're treating them. So for me, it's important, you know, for the reasons that I stated. Yeah. For someone else that may not be, you know, at the top of their list. But most of the clients that seek me, which I have a mix, but I do have clients who um, they they feel like they can be, you know, be themselves. They can be authentic, and yeah. that's really important to the counseling process. If you got walls up or you're guarded and you're don't you don't feel safe being vulnerable then we're not able to really do the work that we need to do so um i have clients say you know it was important for me to find a therapist that looks like me um for those reasons so there is a lot of value in that for people so thank you for that because i know that 
many women um, and many women, especially black women who are watching this today or will watch the replay or whatever, um, they're asking themselves that, you yeah. know, like, and so I want to follow up with that on asking what, you know, when, when we go in looking for a therapist, like what are some, you know, what are, cause you, this is a relationship. Okay. Absolutely. Like me and my therapist has a relationship Yes, and she called me out on something one day and I was like, girl, you right. You know, like uh -huh. she, beca she, she becomes this home girl to me, but, um, which lets the guard down vulnerability, being mm -hmm. open and be authentically yourself. Yeah. So, for someone who's watching, who is on the line of like picking a therapist, because I had a friend who was like, well, I don't know if I like her. And it was like switching back and forth. Like, what are some things that we need to be asking ourselves when we're trying to pick our therapist? Yeah, um, I guess maybe just asking yourself what it is that you want to get out of this therapist client relationship. What is what it what is it that you're needing? I've had clients that have said, you know, I need someone who can be direct with me. I need someone who's going to give me homework assignments. I'm going to give someone that is going to challenge me. So really kind of thinking about what it is that you're wanting out of this, you know, counselor therapist relationship and starting from there. Um, some clients don't know that going into, especially if they've never been to counseling before, they don't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it is a okay, let me try and see if this fits. And if it doesn't, giving yourself permission to seek therapy somewhere else. And, and as therapists, we appreciate clients being able to say, hey, you know, I don't think this is going to be a good fit. Yeah. And we can work through that or help refer to someone who may be a better fit for them. So therapy is definitely not a one size fit all, just like any relationship. So, yeah. um, you know, just kind of trying to see what it is you want out of the therapy relationship. And if you're not sure what that is, giving yourself permission to find someone else if you recognize it's not a fit. I'm so glad that you said that, Jody, because girl, I remember having a conversation with someone and I, after going to see a counselor after my trauma that mm -hmm. I had, and then going back into therapy about a second time, I think this is my third or fourth time going back into therapy. And um, I remember having the, about my third or fourth time, having the moment of, you know what, what I want, I want to be, like you said, I want to be challenged, give me homework, dig mm -hmm. deeper, ask me more questions. Like, don't take me at face value. Like there's something yeah. there. I know it is. But I didn't know that going into first, of course, of course, like the the um, the um, fight or flight, my mm -hmm. first trauma experience, very traumatizing. Yeah, I was in that mode. So I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't even want to be there. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I felt like I just need to move on and, and this will go away. But it wasn't it wasn't that. So I didn't know to ask those questions. Even second time go around. I didn't know to ask that. But I mm -hmm. knew. I, I didn't know to say that, but I knew going through two different therapists, the second time, second round of going to therapy, I recognized like y'all not asking me enough. Like that's when I uncovered those were the things that I needed. So when I finally got to the my last therapist, the therapist I have now, I was like, listen, uh, listen, homegirl, mm -hmm. sis, yeah, all the things. Like I need you. If I say 
I cried when my daddy did that. Girl, Dick asked me why. Right. Asked me a thousand times why. Like, dig deeper. I need to know why mm -hmm. this thing is bothering me. Right. And so uh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think it's important for women to know that when they're going into, you know, going into therapy. So let's talk a little bit about, let's kind of shift a little bit. Mm -hmm. You being a therapist and we're talking about women's mental health, what are some of the common themes that you hear from women regarding women's mental health? Right. So um, I do treat, as you mentioned in my bio, um, maternal mental health. So I have a lot of clients uh, come with stress around trying to get pregnant or infertility issues um, or dealing with uh, anxiety or depression during pregnancy or postpartum. Mm -hmm. um, so those are some of the issues that I experience or that I deal with. Um, also women who are um, trying to just balance the multiple roles that they assume um, as wife, mother, uh, employee, daughter, sister, you name it, trying to fill all these roles and trying to balance that um, and, and really feeling like they're not doing enough, feeling inadequate. Um, those are those tend to be um, the main issues, as well as clients who have, you know, unresolved traumas that are now um, surfacing um, as mm -hmm. they are. They resurface at various times, but oftentimes I see clients as they're getting ready to transition to another phase of life. So they're getting ready to get married or they're getting ready to um, have a baby or talk about becoming a parent. Then they start um, thinking about their own life experiences and some of that unresolved trauma starts to come up to the surface. So those are the main issues that I tend to see with uh, the women clients that I see in my practice. So how do you like how for for the woman who's watching what type of forms can childhood trauma show up? Yeah. So um, one of the main ways that it can show up, um, of course, is in, we talked about the post-traumatic stress. Um, so if there, if someone is, is triggered, um, you can start seeing those symptoms where maybe they are um, starting to have some panic. Um, maybe they are starting to, have what we call trauma reenactments. So they may start acting out um, in their relationships um, mm. and reenacting some of the traumas they experienced earlier. Mm -hmm. um, it can also show up in their um, attachment styles. So there's different attachment styles we have in relationships. Um, secure, anxious, and avoidant are the, the main three. What was um, the main three again? Uh, secure, uh, secure, avoidant, and anxious. Okay. Anxious attachments, which our attachment styles are developed, you know, in our early childhood um, with our, uh, mainly because the mother is the primary caregiver in the beginning, but with our moms and then, of course, with, you know, with the other parent, depending on their involvement in um, sharing those responsibilities and caregiving, um, as well as uh, in, in boundaries and codependency. 
I see a, a lot of clients who have unresolved traumas who have really poor boundaries and get um, in these people pleasing roles where they believe that they need to um, sacrifice their own well-being and their own um, wellness to make others happy. Um, those are some of the ways that unresolved trauma can can show up for people. Mm. Wow. Let's talk about this. I have so many things, girl. I can go so many different places. Like I'm, I'm thinking about the roles that us moms play. So let's just start there. Let's start there. Okay. I want to I circle back to the different type of attachment styles. But um, let's talk about the roles of being, um, you know, my show is focused on motherhood, womanhood, uh, mm -hmm. womanhood, wifehood. So when we think about these roles that we play, what are some of the common themes that you hear from women when it comes to them identifying themselves to these roles and okay. the stress that comes in and whatever comes with it? Like, I don't mm -hmm. want to call it stress. I don't want to give it an identifier, but mm -hmm. whatever comes with it. Okay. Tell me, repeat the question. Let me make sure I understand. So we play these roles as mm -hmm. a mom, wife, mom, wife, and just a woman in general. Mm -hmm. What are some of the common themes that you hear from women mm -hmm. when it comes to identity, mm -hmm. identifying and breaking the, I, the, I identify with what I do mm -hmm. versus I am a whole human person. Right. Yeah. What are the, what are some of the the conversations that you're hearing women, mm -hmm. um, how they're dealing with that. Right. I think the main thing, and, and I'll share a little bit about my own experience as well, is that you hear a lot of women who have lost their sense of identity. They've lost yeah. the sense of who they are in fulfilling these other roles. At you know one point, they had dreams of their own. They had goals of their mm -hmm. own. And wow. those have been you know, forgotten or placed on the back burner or just abandoned altogether because of these other roles. And so yeah. just in sharing my own experience, um, it took me, you know, almost 10 years. I almost had to start over again. But I said, no, I'm not doing that to complete my doctorate, because in the last part of my um, schooling, I got married. So I focused on becoming a wife. Yeah. In that year. I had my first child. I literally was in the middle of um, research and found out I was pregnant, put a pause on that, focused yeah. on being a mom, left school for a while, had another child. And what I found is that I loved being a wife. I loved being a mom, but I needed something I needed to return to those goals and those dreams that I had that were still within me. Like I would literally have dreams about, you know, not finishing school or I didn't have an assignment completed. I knew that was that inner voice saying, you've got to finish with what you started. And I really believe that because I returned to that dream, I completed what I started that I am a happier 
person because I have an identity. I have something that I do that's outside of those other roles. I have something that's just for me. And I think that's important for women to have, whether it be your job or a hobby. I think you're a great example of that, Brandy. Um, with your B. Anderson experience, you know, having something that you're passionate about that is just for you. It's not about you know, any of the other roles that you do is just for you. I think that's important that we as women all have that. And so um, that's one of the things that I try and encourage my clients to identify. What is an, what is a dream or a passion that you have mm. that's just focused on you and not these other roles that you can pursue so that you can regain that identity? I, I don't know if you can share this in your own story, Jody. But when 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 you got to that place or if there is a woman that is in that position, how was that conversation with your spouse? Because there's somebody's spouse that's not being receptive of that. Yeah. They decide to achieve the dreams, continue to do the things, and they're non-responsive. They're not very supportive. Mm -hmm. So what did, what did that conversation look like? If you don't mind sharing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very fortunate. My husband is very supportive. Um, I told him that I, this was a dream I had before he ever came in the picture. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's like, I was already on this path. You already knew this about me. So, you know, and he was, yeah. So, you know, you knew this yeah. about me. We got married. So he was very supportive, but I also had to communicate to him what pursuing this goal, what it meant I need it from him. So yeah. that means I need you to step up in these areas to help with the kids, to help with the household things so that I can have the time and attention and focus. So yeah. what I would tell clients to do is have that conversation with your significant other. Let Be specific about what you need and how you need them to support you. Mm -hmm. um, and also identify other areas of support. My husband wasn't my only support system. Mm. Um, and so it's important that we have as much support, you know, as we can get. You can never have too much support, I believe, as women or just in general. So being able to really firm up your support system and um, be committed to pursuing, you know, the goal or the passion it is that you want to pursue. That's good. Um, communication is key for yes. sure. Yes. So Jody, what about the woman who's listening? Um, or have you ever had a client where their spouse wasn't supportive, even after all the things communicating, here's how I need you to show up for me. Right. Uh, here's what I need you to do to help support me. Cause let's just think about if the woman wasn't pursuing at the time, she had this dream before then, but now due to marriage or work life transitioning over into a different phase in her life, she uncovers like this has been sitting here and now I want to do something about it. Yeah. But now this person that you're with is just like, well, um, I know you talked about it, but dang, like all of, you know, how have you ever had any clients who, who, who had to deal with that? And, mm -hmm. and like, what did they have to do to overcome that? Or, what are some situations where it was just like, I don't know. Yeah. So I, in addition to trying to identify other support, I have an honest conversation with the client with 
how much do you want this goal? How much do you mm. want this thing that you're trying to pursue? Um, do you see yourself doing this in the absence of the support that you would like to have from your husband, but you're not getting? Mm -hmm. um, and if so, what does that look like? It may look a little different. It may take a little bit more time. Yeah. You know, so kind of really trying to reimagine what the goal can look like mm -hmm. instead of just abandoning it all together because maybe you don't have the support that you would like to have from your spouse. No, that's that's really good. I, I'm glad you mentioned that. And I'm sure that will bless some woman when she comes across it. Um, because I'm sure that that's real. You know what I mean? As a as a woman, um, and even as a man who may come in with hopes and dreams and mm -hmm. a dream of like doing certain things and it can be reversed. Like this woman yeah. is just like, what you mean? You want to open up a food truck and sell yeah. tacos? Like, you know what I mean? And I'm not trying to be funny just because it's here, uh, uh, Hispanic heritage, but saying tacos. <laughs> I just like tacos. I love tacos too. Okay. So yeah. don't be coming over here with all of that in the comments. I don't want to yeah. hear it. But uh, yeah. So, you know, thinking about that, that, you know, sometimes that can be, that's a vulnerable conversation. It is. And it's I think, Go ahead. Okay. I was going to say another thing too that that someone may also um, explore is maybe finding a mentor. So if there's someone that is doing or has expertise or knowledge in what you want to do, yeah. um, finding a mentor that can help support you through that as well. But you're gonna you were saying something. Yeah. Like, no, I was just saying. You know, just that. You know, just to know that it's it's going to be quite the opposite it's not going to always be the woman who has this dream it can be the man who has this dream like i've met women are women who are married to husbands that have ambitious um mm -hmm. wanting to you know there it is a true story of opening a food truck another one is i want i want to be um a chef you know things like that mm -hmm. and um there was a little bit of resistance from the the spouse but mm -hmm. Um, here was my thought was, um, I think it's important to share that as much as possible, either in pockets when you're dating, but also in the beginning stages of marriage, like, mm -hmm. you know, what are, you know, it's a simple question. I like, what are you, what is your vision for your life? You right. know, like, um, to uncover like how, where did they see themselves without you before they right. even, you know, to your point before, they, before I even got with you, this is something I wanted to do anyways. And so right. how do you articulate that um, to this person and to know if they're even going to support you in it? It, it may yeah. not always be financially. It may be emotionally or supportive in other spaces. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's really, really, really good. I want to talk a little bit about, um, so as women are, you know, dealing with um, stress, anxiety, um, identity in these, um, these different roles, what are, I know we talked about like the importance of self-care cause that plays a part into, um, identity, stress, mm -hmm. manage it like the proper way of managing these things. Cause these things are not going to go away. They're right. here. Yeah. But the difference is how you look at them and how you manage them. So what are some ways that as women, that we can do one self-care and mm -hmm. how do we manage the varieties of stress that we're dealing with? Yeah. So self-care in its basic definition is engaging in 
activities that kind of help you recharge or we use the metaphor, fill your, fill your cup. Up. Yeah. So things that are, you're going to do for yourself. They don't involve anyone else. So that can look like a lot of different things. Uh, basic levels of self-care. Are you getting adequate sleep? Are you getting proper nutrition? Are you getting adequate physical exercise? We were talking about that, you know, before we started tonight. Yes. Those, those are your basic activities of self-care that you can incorporate and, and hopefully, you know, should be doing on a regular basis. Um, and then self-care can go beyond that. Um, it can be, you know, lighting a candle or taking a shower, a bubble bath, or uh, doing something that you enjoy that is, feels like restorative um, mm. for you. Um, there's different types of self-care, actually. Um, there, So there's physical self-care. There's emotional self-care. So physical, we talked about nutrition, sleep exercise? Um, are you, you know, going to your well woman's? Are you taking care of yourself physically, emotional self-care? Um, are you um, checking in with your feelings? How are you processing those? Do you have an outlet for that? Whether it's, you know, talking to someone about your feelings, journaling, seeing a therapist. Um, there's financial self-care. Um, are you uh, saving? Are you, um, or are you build, you know, creating more debt for yourself? Like, what are you doing to better position yourself financially? Are you budgeting? Um, and then there's spiritual self-care. Um, so what are you doing to take care of your spiritual wellness and well-being? Are you attending a church service? Are you doing a devotional reading, prayer, meditation? So those are the different types of self-care. So self-care is multifaceted. It's not just yeah. any one thing. It's not just pedicures. In fact, I tell people if the pedicure is costing you, because we talked about that financial self-care, yeah. if, you, yeah, yeah. if you're overspending, that's out of your budget, then that's not really self-care. Yeah. Yeah. So talking about the different ways, you know, that self-care can, can look like, um, I think it makes it more, feel more accessible to people because I hear a lot from women, well, I just don't have time or I have all this you know, other things when really on those basic levels, again, are you eating nutrition, you know, nutritional foods, getting adequate sleep, um, getting some exercise, physical exercise, at least 30 minutes a day at those base levels. If you're doing that, then you are engaging in some sort of self-care. I like how you said that self-care is res it's restorative. Yes. Um, and so because the, the you know, the cliche right now is self-care, self-care, self-care and no yeah. shade to the woman that's running around talking about, girl, you need self-care. Go get your nails done. Go get your toes done. Whatever the case may be. Yeah. No shade to the person. But the reality of it is that there is restorative. It is beyond just going to go get the pedicure. It is beyond going to go get your hair done. Do yeah. these things make you feel good? And it gives you a boost of something. Right. Absolutely. I, I'm not even going to lie about that, honey. I done bought my whole, listen, I'm going to go see <laughs> Beyonce and not about my hair. Okay. And listen, mm -hmm. it, it, it brought me to a whole height of yeah. another level of confidence. Yeah. So yes, it does do something for me and it continues to allow me to walk in this confidence. And that's what makes me feel good and to continue to build me up. But also what I recognize is I need my daily devotion. You know, yeah. I've been missing some of that because I haven't been doing it regularly. So women, if you hear me, listen, 
give yourself some grace. Yeah. <laughs> it is okay. We we're 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 putting ourselves in positions where we're thinking about doing a lot. We're going through healing journeys. We're trying yeah. to heal from trauma and all these different things. So give yourself just a little bit of grace. But you use the word restorative. Why restorative? Yeah. Um, when we are in these various roles, as you named, we are constantly on an outpouring of ourselves. So when we engage in self-care, that is allowing us to fill and restore that energy that we have poured out throughout our day, throughout our week. Um, it's, it's allowing us to kind of pour back into ourselves. So that is why, why I use the word restorative to describe self-care and what it should, the goal of it. Yeah. yeah. Like I know women who have a certain candle or something like lavender. I love mm -hmm. lavender. I love floral smells. Uh, so sometimes uh -huh. um, I think a part of my self-care, I don't know if it is, mm -hmm. but I like the smell of fresh flowers. Yeah. And I know sometimes I can go to like, I don't have to buy myself an expensive bouquet, but I may go to my local grocery store and, um, you know, buy me like um, $20 flowers or something like that and put them in a vase. And when I walk in, it just kind of fills the room. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's a little bit of self-care. I guess I don't call it self-care because you know why, yeah. you know why, Jody? I don't call it self-care because the way that we identify self-care is not restorative. We identify it with us going to go get many patties, our hair done, yeah. makeup done, all these different things, which those are all yeah. good. So don't be coming in the comments, yeah. giving me clap back on girl. <laughs> don't do that. Cause I'm a clap. Yeah. But yeah, the reality of it, this is a doctor. Okay. Like the reality mm -hmm. of it is, is that that is not, we have to understand that. So I'm glad that you broke that down for us mm -hmm. because it's much needed. So, you know, journaling, um, all, all these different things that you were saying. So you said something too, you said about filling your cup, pouring into yourself. Mm -hmm. How are you helping women identify when it's time for them to pour into themselves? Mm -hmm. It's always time to pour into yourself. Um, there's never um, a wrong time to do that. So I encourage that on a regular basis. You don't have to get to the point where you're burnt out. Um, you don't have to get to the point where you're just like sure what's in. So you you need to be doing that on a regular basis. So I do talk about that, you know, in our initial sessions, like where you what are you doing to pour back into yourself? Um, if you're doing that on a continual basis, then your cup stays full. It's almost like your bank account. Um, you can't make withdrawals after withdrawal and don't put any deposits in, you know, so you gotta, you gotta keep that flow. You're making withdrawals. You gotta make deposits as well. It's the same concept. You better come on, Dr. Jody. You better come on. Okay. Come on and give us these analogies, honey. I'm, I'm here for the analogies. Come on. Listen, yeah, I love a good analogy. Listen, so, yeah, you can't be withdrawing stuff, honey. You ain't putting no deposit. Yep, Girl, make that deposit. Come on, I'm, I'm here for that. So about, okay, so thinking about pouring, okay, because it's I, I've heard that before. 
I've heard people, say, you know, certain people that would say to me, Brandy, who's pouring into you? Because I do pour a lot out. I give a lot. Yeah. I am. I love to help people. I love to give people makeup tips. I love to, you know, people mm -hmm. come ask me like, how did you put this outfit together? I, mm -hmm. I like that. Like the, the women of showcasing their empowerment and their confidence. Like I'm so for that. Like I'm like, mm -hmm. yes, ma'am. It's the color for me in the hair. But when you think mm -hmm. about um, pouring, what are some routines that we can start putting into practice today to start adding what I would consider to be the pouring of the day? Like this is your daily pour because you need it. Yeah. 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 So um, again, I'm just going to go back to those basic self-care activities you need to do just on the basic level. So making sure that you are getting adequate sleep, practicing, you know, what I call sleep hygiene. So um, making sure that you are setting a bedtime routine where you're getting at least or close to eight hours of sleep, that you have your cell phone, no ambient light on in your room. You're not scrolling through Facebook before you fall asleep. You don't have the TV on. You are not drinking any Caffeine. I see I'm guilty of that too. So I'm not going to say I have mastered this. Um, you know, ask my husband. He's usually falling asleep before me. I'm over here, you know, laughing at something on social media. Girl, so, okay. Um, you know, it's, it's, it is something that I am working on as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, making sure that you are getting adequate sleep, eating, you know, nutritious foods. Um, those are the base ways that you can pour into yourself. And I think to your point, identifying or surrounding yourself with other people who also, you know, pour into you, um, whether that be, you know, your significant other, whether that be mm -hmm. someone in your church family or whether that be a friend, uh, someone that you have that relationship with that understands the importance of pouring into your cup the way that you may pour into theirs. Yeah. So um, those are some things that, that I recommend as well as too. I know we've talked about a lot about like sleep, nutrition and um, physical activity, but also rest, um, making rest a part of your routine. Yeah. Um, I don't work for corporate America anymore. So I have a lot of flexibility with my schedule yeah. and in theory, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can take off whenever I want to. In reality, I can do better at scheduling rest into my routine. So what I would tell people who you know are working for a corporation where you have paid time off is to schedule that throughout your year. Most people will bank that time off to the end of the year and they struggle through you know, the remainder of the year, unless there's a sick day or their kid okay. is sick or they happen to go on a trip, but making that part of your routine. So what I've tried to get better about in my own life is making rest more routine. So scheduling off a Friday every other, you know, week yeah. uh, or taking off, you know, a week straight, you know, every three to four, every, once a quarter, yeah. trying to make it more of a, a routine so that I'm not working myself to the point of, of burnout, because that is very easy to do. So I think that's another way that we can look at um, pouring into our cups is making sure that we're getting rest and making that part of our routine. 
Yeah, that's good because um, I I have a friend, a friend, good friend of mine. She actually schedules throughout the year one Friday mm -hmm. a month to be off, uh -huh. and she goes and gets a massage or does whatever, sit at home and do absolutely yep. nothing. But I'm also learning to Dr. Um, Jody Nicholson is that <laughs> um, rest is so much more than just taking a day off. There, mm -hmm. um, there are different forms of rest. There is spiritual rest. There's physical rest. Um, to your point, like maybe it's the sleep or meditation, breathing mm -hmm. in life giving words instead of negativity, which we're so wired to naturally go to. So yeah. those are forms of rest. What I'm learning, those are forms of rest too. It's basically, it's like you said, restorative. It's being gentle with yourself. Yes. It, it, yeah. it really is. It's giving yourself permission to mm -hmm. be gentle with you. You're gentle with everybody else. Yeah. You giving everybody else some grace. Yeah. But we don't extend as women, we don't always extend that same grace to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I want to encourage that woman, like give yourself like, like seriously, you're mm -hmm. doing so much. Like even thinking about you, Dr. Jody, um, you mentioned your wife. Um, I know Jody has two children. She's also very supportive with her family. Um, she made a huge decision decision to um, to do her own practice. So, how are you ensuring, Jody, that you're getting the rest, the restorative, the the restoration that you need in your life? Yeah. So again, I just try and um, make sure that I'm scheduling it throughout, like being very intentional about scheduling that time off. Um, making sure that when I am off, that I am still not working yep. because therapy is not just about seeing clients in session. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that is very easy for me to be doing notes or treatment plans or yep. on the phone with insurance or doing all the other things, business stuff behind the scenes that I'm not really fully engaging in that rest. So just being very intentional about it. And for me, when I was restful for me is being able to just be at home. Mm -hmm. um, I love design shows, watch my design shows and not really have any routine or anywhere that I have to go. I'm because my day is so scheduled yeah. with clients and kids and dinner and everything. I'm always thinking of, OK, what do I need to do next? What do I need to do? Yeah. next? So not just the physical rest, but the mental rest is important for me yes. to be able to be in a state where I don't have to think about what's next. I can just be in this moment and let that be enough. And I think that for me is what helps me to have that restoration. Come on, Dr. <laughs> Jody. Come on. Let me tell you. The busyness I be creating, child. Listen, I be like, Lord, I just want un—I want unstructured time. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Unstructured time. Yeah, I want unstructured time. I don't want to be yeah. on the time clock. But you know what, Jody? You know what happens is that I start to feel guilty because it's not structured. Yeah, 
Yeah, I do have clients that they feel, well, that's unproductive. They think that rest is unproductive. I'm supposed to be doing something. It's like even Jesus rested in, in, in the wilderness. So you need to, it, it's necessary. It is necessary for you to rest. And if you don't, it's going to come at a cost. So, yes. um, so yeah. So yeah. Giving yourself, like you said, that permission, that grace Yeah. and every moment of our day is not supposed to be filled with doing something. Oh my gosh, girl. I was, um, Woo, girl, you said a word right there, honey. So there was, um, a pastor, Pastor Robert White, he mm-hmm. talked about, it's so crazy that you said that, but it's not because he talked about how um, um, the tenured saints would say the the devil is busy. And he was mm-hmm. like, but you busy, busy making your schedule busy. What does yeah. that say about you? I was like, now, come on. I said, now, Jesus, yes. now listen. I said, now hold yeah. on. Said, now hold on. He's talking about if you running around saying that the best devil is busy, but your calendar is always booked. Yep. What is that? I said, listen, you, you ain't said, yeah. you ain't said nothing. Nah, I'm about to get un 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 busy and quit making myself <laughs> busy. Cause I ain't yes. got to be doing that. Uh Tiffany said, Amen. She's talking about unstructured rest, honey. Yes. Yeah. All, all the people. Yeah. Like we just, I don't know, like to your point, there is a guiltiness because you're just like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm a mom. I should be doing something. I should be doing something with the kids or I should be doing mm-hmm. this and doing that. And so in my mind does go into that. So thinking about like the identity and the role mm-hmm. that I play, what happens mm-hmm. when I get into unstructured rest, I start to think like, well, then I'm not a good mom. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the kid's hair needs to be done. And this is real life for me, y'all. I had a moment, a a moment, a breakdown moment that I had took Kylie and Michaela to go swimming. And it was a week later when I finally washed their hair. I Mm -hmm. literally teared up because I felt so guilty as a mom. But to Mm -hmm. your point, when you say, when you have that support rest and you have Mm -hmm. that mental, emotional rest, I went yeah. to one of my girlfriends who's a mom of two little girls and I, and she was just like, girl, do you know how many times I done took the girl swimming? And she has two girls. It's just like, do you know how many times I done took my girl swimming and didn't wash their hair for almost two weeks? What? Yeah. She was just like, yeah. girl. And, but it put me at ease because mm-hmm. I wasn't by myself. Yeah. And the reason why I started this podcast was because I wanted other women to be at rest that girl, Mm -hmm. you ain't by yourself. Yeah. You are not alone. And so do you find Jody that some of your clients feel like that they're by themselves? Uh, I think so. Or not maybe that they're by themselves, that they have this illusion that other moms or other women are, they've got it all together awesome. and that they, they don't. Um, so I think you're, you have a beautiful example of being able to have someone who you can be vulnerable with and say, Hey, I didn't wash my girl's hair for a week. And instead of that being met with judgment, she was able to also, you know, share and kind of 
help you give yourself permission to not be so hard on yourself about that. So I think the more that women can be real with one another yeah. and this these podcasts are a great way for that, we can take down this facade, this illusion of the perfect mom, the perfect wife. It doesn't exist. Girl. And, um, you know, there's we're not doing ourselves any good. We're not doing our children any good by trying to keep up this illusion. I know the biggest thing for me that helps me to remind myself to give myself grace and just to be real in these moments is I have a daughter and I don't want to model something for her where she sees that or believes that, oh, mom never had a bad day or she always had it together. Or she always had this. I want her to see me like Mommy has bad days. Mommy, you know, every day is not easy and model for her. But this is how you work through that. Yeah. So when she experiences that, because she will, that she doesn't feel any less than uh -huh. or feel inadequate. Um, and that she also, if I've modeled it appropriately, she feels like she has the tools on how to handle it for herself. So I think about that. I, I'm doing this for myself first. Yeah. But also, you know, I have a daughter that is one day, you know, potentially going to be a wife or a mother, even if she's not, she's she's going to grow up to be a woman. So I don't want to present this false self. Um, I want her to see the real. And it's not always it's not always pretty, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, but we we do our best. And that's really all that any of us can do. Girl, girl, a girl, you don't say girl. Listen, you don't say the mouthful. Like, girl, <laughs> everything you said, your girl is over here dealing with. Because, like, yeah. when I think about it, because, you know, I have two girls. Well, I have three, three yeah. girls. Yeah. And yeah. There, there are, I, I have gotten to a place, therapy has really, uh, Lord, therapy has made me something else. I I'm, I'm not always a thug all my life, but <laughs> I, um, Therapy has allowed me or it has given me permission or it just this permission that I needed to be OK with crying in front of my kids or mm -hmm. apologizing to them when I yell. Not because yeah. the yelling come came from a different place. It didn't come from yeah. I'm trying to correct you. It came from I'm angry and I can't you mm -hmm. know, like it came from an unnecessary place. And mm -hmm. I recognize that in apologizing to them. So that they mm -hmm. can be, so they can know how to handle when they're triggered yeah. and how your triggering could affect somebody else. Mm -hmm. And the, sometimes the consequences of the triggering that may affect somebody else. And I'm crying in front of my kids. I'm worshiping mm -hmm. in front of my kids. Yeah. I'm crying out to God in front of the kids. One yeah. time I think Kylie handed me some tissue, you know, uh -huh. like, girl, what you, uh, mom, you, it's going to be, and then she tapping me on my back, mom, it's going to be okay. I promise. Mom. You know, so like having those moments as a mom, I, I think it's, um, I'm going to cry a little bit y'all. That's okay. But I think it's very, very, very important for, for mm -hmm. the mom to hear that. Mm -hmm. And you are being the, you are absolutely giving your best. You're absolutely mm -hmm. doing that. And you're going to grow and evolve from that as well. Yeah. Um, from the place that you thought you weren't your best, you're going to go to another level of your best. And you're still going to sometimes think you're not doing your best. 
but you yeah. really are. And you're trying mm -hmm. to heal from the things yeah. that we got from our parents, yes. parenting children and still yeah. being a spouse. Lord, yeah. if you don't get anything out of this podcast, out of this episode, give yourself some grace. Yeah. Please, I am begging you, please give yourself some grace. Jody, this was like, you all that in a bag of chips. Like, I, oh. I, I absolutely love you. And I love I appreciate that. being in the space that you too are in these roles. So you can truly identify with these women and understand mm -hmm. all the facets of things. So I appreciate you being raw and authentic with us. Before we drop, I want people to know how they can get a hold of you and please spell it out if you can, because um, yes. some people may not, you know, di names, different spelling and all the different, yes. how can people get in contact with you? Yeah. So you can reach me by phone um, at 682-463-1012. I'm going to give my website instead of my email because my email is ridiculously long. My website, you can locate me at drnicholson at pathwaystohealing.net. Actually, that was my email address. So I lied that it, you can reach me by email. My my website is an abbreviated version of that. And it's Pathways to Healing, the number two. So Pathways, P-A-T-H-W-A-Y-S, the number two, healing, H-E-A-L-I-N-G.net. That will connect you with my website. Um, from there, you can learn more about being my practice, uh, other areas that I specialize in, also access to my calendar. If you would like to schedule, I do offer a free 15 minute consultation um, just to kind of see if we'd be a good fit if you want to proceed with counseling. So I do make myself available for that. I'm not on any social media platforms. So those are the two ways, either or three ways by phone, email, or by my website that you can reach me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dr. Jody Nicholson. Thank you for being here with us. I'm sure we'll probably get some questions after replay watching and all the different things. And I'll be sure to send that to you. But I thought this was so good. Um, thank you for your wisdom, um, your practicing. I appreciate you not only as a friend, but appreciate the work that you're doing. Um, because it is much needed. So thank you so much. I want to thank um, all of the people who joined us today. Um, our next guest is going to be a good friend of ours, um, Tracy yeah. Williams. Oh, yeah. She is going to be on next week. I'm so excited to have her here. We're really going to be talking about she is, um, she is a Black female who is just killing it. Yes. And when we talk about roles taken on, this woman is taking on roles and taking on challenges, but also as a black woman in leadership, just the things that she's being challenged with. And I'm going to have her come and talk to us, talk to you. 
um, who are in leadership and some of the challenges that we're facing and how she's overcoming those things and having a support system and, and just all the things. So it's going to be good. Um, join me next Wednesday at 6, 6.30. Um, don't miss it. You don't want to miss it. Um, such a powerhouse and all the things that she's doing. First of things and just She's just, Jody, you know her, but she is a trailblazer. she's awesome. I can't wait to tune in. Yes. So I will see y'all next week at 630 Central Standard Time. Um, and y'all have a wonderful night. Thank y'all for joining mm -hmm. us. Mm -hmm.